Hello and welcome to another episode of KB Talks, powered by the NKBA, the only podcast dedicated to growing and supporting the kitchen and bath industry. I'm Elle Millard, Industry Relations Manager with the NKBA and one of your KB Talks podcast hosts. The skilled labor shortage is a conversation that's been rapidly picking up steam and with good reason. Our research at the NKBA shows that 73% of respondents noted difficulty in hiring skilled trade workers and 30% of jobs are falling behind due to these shortages. This is a huge, huge crisis. And this year at KBiz, the Cheers for Trades Career Skilled Labor Panel discussion addressed these changes, trends, and difficulties within the industry. The panel of experts include a few folks from This Old House TV, including moderator Richard Trithui, plumbing and heating expert, Norm Abram, master carpenter, Jeff Sweener of Sweener Builders and This Old House TV, Nathan Gilbert, an apprentice carpenter, Kate Campbell, a contractor and founder of Kate Builds Incorporated, and Jonathan Cheever, an Olympic U.S. snowboarder and licensed plumber. For those of you who were unable to make it, we've got the recording here. Please enjoy and send us your thoughts to nkba at flyingcamel.com. There's so many cameras and fun things happening around here for this panel. It's all exciting. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm Leanne Wood, part of the agency collaborative that together joined forces for the past seven years to bring to you the PR, social media, and attendee experience for KBIS. And I emphasize that because we were always better together. And the next topic on the KBIS Next Stage is a great example of this. The skilled labor shortage is an issue affecting the building sector and by extension, our businesses in the kitchen and bath industry. But together, we can make strides and find solutions. That being said, I am very excited to introduce Craig Smith, President, Chief Operating Officer, Angie Home Services, Inc. In his role, he oversees operations, including those of Home Advisor, uh, U.S.'s Salesforce. And in case you're not familiar with Angie Home Services, it's a brand that connects millions of homeowners to home service professionals through its portfolio of digital home service brands, including Home Advisor, Angie's List, and Handy. Craig joined the Angie's, Angie Home Services Board of Directors in 2019, and he has been with Home Advisor for nearly two decades. Craig, will you join me on the stage? Hello, everybody. Um, good to be here today. I'm honored to introduce this panel uh, today to address the skilled labor shortage, a uh, topic critical to our industry. The skilled labor shortage is an issue affecting the building sector and, by extension, our business. That being said, I'm very excited to introduce this next panel, along with our panel moderator, Richard Trithui, plumbing and heating expert from Ask This Old House TV as he leads the discussion on new ways in which the industry is coming together to attract new, young talent to the construction and manufacturing fields. Richard Trithui. Our panelists include Norm Abram, This Old House Master Carpenter, Jeff Sweener, This Old House Contractor, Rhode Island Builder of the Year, NAHB Custom Builder of the Year nominee. Kate Campbell, contractor and host of HGTV's Custom Builder and founder of Build Women Up. Nathan Gilbert, former This Old House apprentice and the newest member of the Ask This Old House crew. And finally, Jonathan Cheever, journeyman plumber, American Standard spokesman, and Olympic and World Cup medalist snowboarder. So without further ado, here's the This Old House heating and plumbing expert, Richard Trithui, to kick off the questions. Thank you. Thank you. Craig. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking a few minutes with us. Uh, this is a subject that has been near and dear to our heart for a long time, both as our time on this all house, but just as contractors, there is a real, not imagined crisis in getting people. In, we don't have to tell it. So this this conversation today will be something you already know, and so we won't spend too much time really with the how it happened, 
but we'll talk about the real life issues of what any of us can do to change it, what, what some ideas that we've had going through the, our past. A uh, couple of different numbers. One is, is between four and five million jobs, that, skilled jobs that are going to go unfilled. There's just nobody to do it. And that affects us in the contracting side. It affects manufacturers. This, we've, lost, we've lost a generation. So I'm not going to spend too much time because we're going to have everybody share in this conversation. Uh, and so uh, the one person I want to probably call early is Norm. Norm. Norm is the icon of our brand. He's been around for a long time, 40 years, 40 years, both he and I. So Norm, that's, that's worthy of a chat, isn't it? But he, he had his own business and had the same issues that we all did. But this issue, and about two years ago, we, we, we started an initiative on this house called Generation Next. And we started to work with Mike Rowe. We went out and we went out and got some money from our people who support this whole house. And we gave a half a million dollars to the foundation that Mike Rowe started. And getting the money turns out to be the easiest part. It's really what to do with you know, the money, how to make a difference in, in our lifetime. And so, but the reason I would call on Norm to talk about briefly is it, it sparked something in you, Norm, that we were so excited to see. You, you got to do all the introduction but I just want to have you sort of say a few words about this whole Generation Next thing as it relates to you. Well, thanks, everybody, for coming uh, this afternoon. Um, you know, I started to see that when we started talking about this problem, you started to look back and see what happened. And there were a few events that actually, I think, in some ways, accelerated this problem that we have with not enough people in the skilled trades. And it started back in like grammar school and high school education, where there used to be shop, there used to be home ec, there used to be all these things that people should know about. I mean, I grew up in the generation where our parents made sure that we understood uh, how to take care of ourselves, how to, you know, learn how to cook food, you know, all little things that we think that we forgot about those. And you need to have exposure to appreciate what those um, skills are. And if you don't have the exposure, you're never going to know. And so for the last few couple of years now, I've been saying we've got to get that kind of exposure back into the school system. Parents have to allow to give their children a little more freedom to take a path of an of a, uh, occupation that they're going to be happy doing. Because if, be, if they're not happy doing it, it's not going to do much good for us either. So, you know, I think getting it into the schools, letting them experience it. And for me, if one out of every 10 kids who's exposed to, let's say, carpentry, because that's what I'm most familiar with, if one out of every 10 kids decides they want to become a, a carpenter and build houses or renovate houses, that will take us a long, long way. Um, I also think that uh, young people have to understand that uh, these jobs are very rewarding. They're not, um, some people I think make the trades seem evil. The trades are the, one of the most important skills that we need as we live in our homes every day. And Mike Rowe has said, all these trades that we have, they make our lives comfortable. So if we don't start getting more people in here to start working on the trades, um, that's it's not going to be very comfortable for all of us, so you're going to have a hard time even finding a contractor to work on your home. Um, so it goes back, you know, it goes back to very simple things: um, exposure of your children to uh, these these skills. And I think at this point, that's one of the most important things to do. I mean, like Richard said, the money isn't going to solve the problem. It's getting young people exposure that's going to that's going to help solve this problem. Thank you, Norm. And the challenge is grim. Anybody want to guess the average age in the skilled trades right now, currently? The mean? 56. Exactly, 56. And we've got 80% of contractors, companies, are independent. They're all, many of them working out of the houses. So the challenge is going to be, there's not going to be one magic place that's going to be able to hire all the next kids coming in. You know, so it's going to be a, it's a fragmented industry with a lot of beautiful artisans in it that we all deal with every day. You know, but we, how we get kids into the game is going to be is tricky. 
So um, I wanted to bring you into the conversation. Jonathan, what, what's wrong with you? Why'd you become a plumber? Is this working? Okay, so uh, <laughs> I've, I've been a licensed plumber for almost 15 years now, and it's a family trade. Nice. Strangely enough, my grandfather was college educated. My father dropped out of college to become a plumber. That's the footsteps I followed. I dropped out of school to become a plumber. And being nearly 34 years old right now, when I go do my continuing education to keep my journeyman license, I notice I'm usually the youngest one in the room by about 20 years. And uh, the great things you're doing with Generation Next, but we also got um, uh, trade up that some of the guys in American Standard are, are going through. Right. For every five plumbers leaving the trade, there's only one getting into it. And uh, you know, running a small business myself or working with my family, it is nearly impossible to find good help. So just building on what you're saying, the exposure is great, but money talks. I mean, a lot of kids don't realize like you could make a great living being a plumber or an electrician or any tradesman. And like that really is receptive. Like I'll be speaking to some high school kids on Thursday and you know, when they hear you could make good money being a plumber, maybe that'll be like, all right, college isn't for me, but this is a step forward. So um, I'm sure a lot of you guys have trouble finding good help, but when you're at your supply houses and you're checking out your trade schools, like let these kids know they can make a great living, they could get their education while becoming an apprentice, and then move up a tax bracket. So that's, that's something I really push, too, is you know, take pride in your work, but this will, will make you some money, too. Great. How long can you... Thank you. I'll, absolutely. Thank you. So uh, how long can you snowboard? How... Um, as long as I'm healthy and competitive, I'm going <laughs> to okay. keep it open-ended like that. Good. I know uh, I have an expiration date, but I'm not milk, so let's, <laughs> let's see how long born, A born-on date, a born-on date, fan. Now, Kate, you're from Canada, so you probably don't have any of these labor issues, right? <laughs> right. No, I think they are universal. Yeah. I think they're across the board. So, um, so the, some, of the ch some of the challenges, let's be honest about it, entry level in the skilled trades means it's not great pay. Right? Kids want to get out of school and think they're going to get 75K. The average entry level is 46, something like that. Many kids get, that get interviewed as far as would they go into the skilled trades or into a trade, you know, they thought that 75 was the, the minimum that they could get there. So there's a, there's a disconnect there. Now, that means they would have to drop their phone <laughs> just long enough to do some work. So, so I'm going to open up to the panel if anybody wants it. What... What could anybody do? What, what's, what's your path to start nibbling away at this, this route? Jeff or, or Nathan or Katie? Anybody we haven't talked to? I'll, I'll jump in. Um, I kind of had a different pathway into the trades. I actually, I feel like part of the problem is that we push university as the only way to success. And in school, we're told to take academic courses. And if you can't get into university, then you go into a trade. So that's, that's one of the core issues. And I felt that when I was in school, but I was graduating with a 93% academic average and was pushed, pushed, pushed to university and chose to go into the trades because I was passionate about it because I loved working with my hands. So we need to start thinking about how we have conversations about university and trades and promote them as equal pathways to success in their own regard. The thing with women in the trades is that, I, I don't know about in the US, but in Canada we represent only 7% of the skilled trades labor force. So I think it's probably something like that right. here as well. So it's daunting for us to get into the trades. And I don't think I would be where I am today if I didn't have a trade school that I could go to that was all women. So it was a four-month program that I went to. It was an, int an introduction to power tools and to carpentry, Great. electrical, plumbing. And I don't think I would have just been able to walk onto a job site without that, that background mm -hmm. knowledge and the confidence that that trades program, all women trade pro trades program gave me. So for me, I would say um, in terms of encouraging other women to get into the trades, I've always said you can't be what you can't see. So I like promoting women that are already in the trades and supporting trades programs. That's part of what Build Women Up is. It's a, it's a foundation supporting trades programs specifically for women. 
so that we, we can try to change that number from 7%. You go, girl. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. that's, what, that's my experience. Okay. Nathan, you. how would you get people into the trades? You, you come from a, a pedigree background, your, your dad, but also the military. So I uh, started out with my father, and then I joined the Navy for uh, five years. When I was getting out, I actually went through a TAP class, a transitioning class, which most military bases do. I think that's a great avenue to approach anyone getting out of the military because most local bases, you can go up to them and you can, uh, you can get into their TAP programs and get in there and maybe they might be local kids or it's a Naval Reserve or a Army Reserve base, so they're local already. And you can, uh, they're already qualified. You can train them and have them ready to go very quickly. And they come from a very regimented lifestyle and they work hard, so they're a great, great candidate. Yeah. Jeff Sweeney is uh, our new, a new member with us as well, but, and he, you've got his, his own fabulous contracting company. You, you seem to get and, and attract really great people. How are you doing that? Well, uh, I can speak on how, our, how we work with our company, and uh, we're a company of about 50 people, and I would say that uh, a good 10 of them are under the age of 27, which is pretty rare. And we have a distinct advantage in that I have two kids in the business, one 26 and one 22. So what I found was that when they got into the business, their friends all of a sudden started to look and to say, wow, they're doing some pretty cool stuff over there. Let me get involved. And that really has been the catalyst for us. And, and I'm not saying that everybody needs to drag their kid into the business. It's really, it doesn't have to be your own son, but if you can lure one kid in that's of that age, just out of high school or even just out of college, and show them a path and show them that this can be a career option, then it becomes contagious. And then they share it with their friends. And you know, you talk about the phone a little bit, you know, and, and, and putting the phone down. And that's, you know, it's certainly an issue, but I found that we almost embrace it. So. I challenge the younger guys in the group to use their Instagram account to sort of show off their work and showcase their work and do it tastefully and do it respectfully. And this is about sharing your craft. So that combination of things has really been fruitful for us because now all of their Instagram friends are, you know, how can we get a job? Yeah. So, yeah. That's how it's worked for us. Great. You go now. That's a great point. And I think I was very proud of all our apprentices the last couple of years because our producers came around and had individual um, interviews with them that would be on the website, on the Dissolved House website. And what, I, what was amazing to me, and I think Jeff's right on it, is that youth, um, inspiring youth, is, e is easier than older people like me inspiring youth. And when our apprentices were interviewed, they, we didn't tell them to say anything. They said, you know, we, we're learning the process step by step. Um, construction is a very changing environment these days. Materials are changing, techniques are changing, and to hear them say, you know, we know this is a process, we have to continue learning for our whole career, and it's very rewarding. And we had a line that we used in one of the shows we did that I did a scene with Charlie Silver, which is, you see a problem, you use your mind to figure out how you're going to fix it, you use your hands to do the job, and at the end of the day, you've got something that you can be proud of. And I think it's easier. You know, how many, how many of you as parents realize that at some point you told your children to do something and they, they just blew you off, but if someone their age told them the exact same thing, they would do it? So I'm encouraging all the young apprentices that are out yeah. there who do get in it to do exactly what Jeff is saying, which is to, you know, pass the message along. So if we had a potential young person that we wanted to get in the industry and we pulled him into an elevator, I want, to, I want you to each come up with the one thing, the why or the what that you like about this, one thing that you would try to hook them in to come in into the skilled trades. Why, would, why, should they, why should they do it? Uh, I guess for me, I'm the type of person that uh, really enjoys instant gratification. I remember being 
don't know, maybe 12 or 11 years old. And every time I would drive by a job site, my father was like, I built that building. Yeah. And for me, that was something I took pride in. Some people prefer seeing something stretch over a long period of time. Maybe they're for college. That's for college. Um, I don't exactly know our audience right now, but everything needs to be done at the grassroots, what you can do. And if that's influencing your, your son or daughter, perfect. If you work with the school, maybe get them doing some hands-on hands-on activities because you get an instant validation. I built something. I created it. You take pride in your work and that's going to snowball from there. Pride. Without a doubt, I would say the freedom of being a carpenter, a self-employed carpenter, is really what appeals to me. Um, the change of going from one job site to another and the job and the, the task is always changing. So it's not the same thing every single day. And uh, I always say I get to try Italians at the best sub shops all over New England because <laughs> you just get to go around and experience different things. Good. You're wearing it well. Good. <laughs> you took mine. <laughs> but that's okay. I had another one. Um, as an entrepreneur as well, I would say the endless possibilities and you're constantly learning and being challenged, which keeps you on the ball and constantly... It constantly challenges you every day. And for someone that gets bored easily, that is the best thing for yeah. me. We all have ADD. Yeah. <laughs> I would say you can start tomorrow. And you need no training. You don't need any skill set. You don't need any tools. I'll show you the way. And I can make a career path for you for as long as you, as you want it. As long as you embrace it. And that's really what we try to encourage all of the younger guys that to look up to the guys that are my age on the, on the crew and say, look, we were there when you yeah. were there. Yeah. There's a career path there. There's an everyday life. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I agree with Jeff. I mean, I started working with my father, and it was a step-by-step -step process. And, you know, watching him and the other people who worked alongside him, I started to gain uh, information and learn techniques. And you get to a certain point where, where I think you start to feel your going in the right direction and you start making a conversation with these people on how things can be done, how they might be done better. Um, as a contractor, it's hard to be a teacher and run a business at the same time, but I think we have to listen to our uh, young people and when they have a question, we have to answer it. And if they have an idea, we have to respect it. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And if it does, that's all the better for everybody. I would add just one or two to this, and that is, when you, when you have a craft, you're recession-proof. You're pretty well recession-proof. People still will need plumbing. They'll need electrical. They'll need carpentry. They'll need stuff fixed in any recession. So it's, you know, there's a lot of people that got shaken out of their cubicles in the last 2008 downward bump and stuff like that. And so it's an interesting thing that, you know, to your point about being creative, I mean, some interesting pride, variety, access to learning, uh, you really won't be bored. The other thing is... In supply and demand, this is a world-class confluence of demand. Don't you want to be the person that can provide the supply? Because it means that you can actually make a, a real living at this thing. You know, that's all you need is there's riches and niches. Well, this is more than a niche. This is a place where you can make money now and have a price. You know, I, I grew up as a plumber. I was plenty embarrassed about being a plumber. And I, I shook it, thankfully, but because, you know, for all the jokes and all the things, and electricians feel the same way, some carpenters do, you know, that, you know, would not have gone to a liberal arts degree, liberal arts college. Every single one of those people on the planet, though, still need us someday, and we bring a power to this that is prideful, meaning we're the people that bring magic to make people be comfortable in their building so they can still live in the building. What Norm and Jeff and all the, everybody's done here is bring magic in terms of what they do in these beautiful houses. And so what we've done on the show is try to celebrate this, show the best craftsmen. What we're trying to do now is to sell the next generation, this generation that got it left. You know, and we're, we're fighting against guidance counselors are only rated on how their college placement, you know. Uh, every... every uh, House's real estate value is strictly based on how many kids went to college. You know, it isn't necessarily. So there's some things, market forces that are working against us. Now, what to do? What to do? We, we know the elevator speech. What would you do? What, 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 if we could leave three with five great things that could make a difference, what would you do in your own market? Because it's all going to be in our markets. It's all going to be local. Politics is local. This is local. There's not going to be some magic 
you know, multinational company that's going to be able to come in and fix it, okay? What would you do? Anybody? To uh, note on the guidance counselor speech, I think we all, we all know about that. You know, their focus is to get kids into college. I know when I was young, they came in and said, all right, who wants to go to a four-year school? And I didn't really know. I just raised my hand because everyone else did, even though my father was a carpenter and I knew I could make a great living doing that. Um, but to get in between them and to uh, grab some kids that might be interested and have them come out and job shadow, if, even if it's just for a day, drive them around, let's show them uh, job sites, lumber yards, some of the perks of it, and then uh, drop them back off at school so they know, you know what's available to them. I would have to say, um, in Canada at least, shop classes are being eliminated from high school and have really never existed even in like middle school or elementary school. And I think a lot of the time, by the time you get to high school, you already have a lot of your mind made up, so it's almost too late. So I would say trying to find a way to incorporate some kind of a shop class back into elementary school, introducing it earlier so that you, you show that it's just as valuable as going to math or science or whatever class is valued and adding that value back yeah. in at a young age yeah. is really important. I hope that can anybody? I guess uh, I, would, I would try to get in front of the school kids. I would try to get into a situation where I could speak in front of uh, the local high school class and maybe bring some of the kids that are in their 20s that started right out of high school, and there's plenty of them, and to be able to showcase what they do and, and model what they do and try to get some excitement yeah. out of yeah. the kids yeah. and give an option for them. So I just did a podcast, and they got, my, they got me thinking about this subject to a deeper level, and I remembered... My father always had a saying that was, was A-OK, adopt one kid, adopt one kid, you know, like find somebody. And now with the benefit of hindsight, all these years later, he found three kids that were from our local neighborhood, much like you might do, Jeff, you know, where your kids know. And so they were, they were people that, that we, we knew. Well, those kids came in, we taught them the craft. They went on to start their own, but they left as they, as they might and should. And they went on to their own businesses. And now, you think about it, the second generation of their family is now in the skill crafts because one guy adopted one kid to sell them on something that wasn't offered to them. And that's all, we can, that's all we can hope anybody does nowadays is just find that kid that isn't sure but love to take stuff apart. You know, this, we all know kids that go underneath the kitchen sink and pull everything out and bang it against one another. That's, that's our future crafts, believe it or not. So... Uh, any, um, so I, I saw a survey of 2,000 kids, 18 to 25. The top three uh, fields they want to go into is medicine, business, and technology. Sure. They want to make 100 and a half large, 300 large, uh, no problem. The 10th was construction. So uh, it's, uh, and the reasons they said they would be against it, it was physically demanding Construction is tough, and they wanted an office job for those people that said it. But they also said that they thought that the, the entry-level money was just too low for them to apprentice for too long, and that's really one of the things that we, we got to bridge that gap easier. So, so um, any other any other what to do? I had I had a I spoke at a group down in South Carolina, and one guy got up with that beautiful Southern Carolinian accent. He just says, "You know what I do." I go to the career days, and I get up there and I tell them kids exactly what I make. I tell them exactly what I don't tell the IRS. <laughs> and I smile, and I always get a couple of kids coming to work for me. So, uh, so we got military covered. We got women covered. Um, the Votech, we don't know if we can ever fix. Um, so, great. Do we have any questions for our panel? Yes. Right. So can I repeat your question? I, I'm gonna have, a, I have a microphone. Okay, here. wonderful. Super. So, well, we can address the issue. You heard it enough, right? So there's a bunch of kids that might have gotten there off track a little bit, maybe uh, did a little too much part. Or, you know, did, did, how do we deal with that? How do we, the retooling of there, any, any commentary? I would say the perfect job for them is a laborer, and not to insult them, but to expose them to all the, all of the uh, trades. Once you got them hired, you know, it's easy to find kids that, that need a job, that this wasn't their first choice, 
but they show up to work, they're on their cell phones, they don't see the value in taking it to the next level and learning to become the master carpenter. How do you motivate them to that point? You ever pick up a girl at a bar? <laughs> like the, the best way to do, do it. Do tell Jonathan, go the, baby. The, the, the best way to do it is, is for her to try to make herself feel valuable to you. And same thing with these kids, like make them feel valuable to your business. And that's, that's what, what I push when I'm uh, trying to be a role model to someone that's younger. And, and one thing to kind of pick up on what you were saying about physically demanding, like uh, how much more technical is plumbing now than when you got in the trade? I've yeah. only been in it for it's easy 14 now. years as a journeyman and probably since I was 11. And like, I'm hardly pulling wrenches now. I, right. I press a right. gun to right. put gas pipe. Like right. you could tell these kids, this is a, a technical field. And, you know, like this is valuable. You know, like you might have buddies in IT, but like you're making someone's water run, and it is technical now. So. Every single mechanical device now that heats or cools your home has got some printed circuit board and a computer in it. So it's not, it's not your, your dad's heating system anymore. So. But I want to talk more about the dating thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Microphone. Yeah. I recently discovered a whole new problem that we're taught, we're trying to teach these kids that they don't need a college education to make a good living. But guess what? They're requiring those of us who are very valuable, who mentor and want to teach, we're not allowed to because we don't have a bachelor's degree. Oh, really? This is a whole new problem. My area right now, there's three colleges that offer design programs and they're slowly dwindling away because there's one teacher that nobody wants to take a class from because they don't learn anything from her because she's never been out from behind her desk for the last 30 years. Yeah, yeah. So this so is another we, thing to tackle. Yeah, I'm not sure how we address that one. But I, I will tell you that we had the great fun, Norm, Kevin, Tommy, and I, and Roger, we went down to Congress to speak before Congress to a committee with Christopher Coons from Delaware. And it was we were excited about it. But what caught my ear and all of our ears was that there's all these loans available for any college you want to go to. There's not any money ever going to be, and they, 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 it's a prohibition against it to give you any college loan for vocational education. That's a statement. That's a statement that's not good. Did you have some? Good. Yeah. Okay, so this is uh, my second or third career. Um, what are you going to be when you grow up, my dear? I don't dear? know. I'm still... I'm still <laughs> Yeah, I'm still looking for that. So I was an ER trauma nurse for 20-some years, and you can't do that forever. So I went back to school and studied design, and that's what I do now. So and my father was like, you know, he, there's five of us. He adopted two of us. Uh, we all were in the trade somehow. I have, he was an electrician. I have two brothers, an electrician. What they see, or their friends see who went to college, is that my siblings have all, all have homes. Yeah. Yeah. And in a market where a lot of people get out of college, have big um, debt, debt uh, and can't afford a home, and yeah. have to work much longer than my brothers did. They were all, by, by the yeah. time they were 30, they all had homes. Yeah. Uh, a couple of them divorced and had two homes, but, you know, still. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that, you know, that's... It's cheaper to keep her, by the way. That whole next generation <laughs> who doesn't... Yeah, exactly. Have something on the side and keep the home. <laughs> I didn't say that. Um, but I think that if um, some of that comes up uh, and they see that they have these advantages and yeah. not everybody is geared for school. Now, my dad asked me after I got, I got into design and, and he said, so why did you bother going to to college. <laughs> yeah, why did I have to pay for your college? Uh, he didn't pay for it, but he <laughs> okay. still asked the question, you know, yeah. why. Yeah. But you know what? ER and trauma and design, it's a perfect match. Yeah. I mean, I know where all the accidents happen in the That's home. That's right. So. Well, we hope we can win some people over going forward. Yes, sir. Thank you for that. So we have a vocational situation in our area for 20 years, been dealing with the schools have all these young people coming in, and, have it, and, we're, and we reached kind of an epiphany where that's not going to work. You want to know why? Because all the guys my age cannot communicate with all the people coming out of school. There's a serious disconnect between the ability of my generation to teach the younger generation. Yeah. So, and I, I get all the grassroots 
definitely, I'm all for it. I'm working grassroots in my area, get it. Women, I think, is a totally untapped market for sure. The problem is, is that I cannot even remotely see it being anywhere near enough to really solve the problem. This is all, you know, little drops in a, in a giant sea of issues. So unless there's going to be some leader who's going to really take this over and cha transform the school system, I don't see it happen. I see my, my I'm going to retire, I'm, I'm going to be gone, and it's all my knowledge is going to go away, and that's going to be repeated a million times over. And, and, and unless somebody comes up and really solves this problem, there's not going to be a solution. Yeah, that, that's actually a good yeah. point. Um, so I mentioned before we have about 50 people in our in our company. And we have a bunch that are under 27 and a bunch that are over 45. We have very few between the ages of 30 and, and 40. And so those few, those become the conduit from the younger guys to the older guys. So uh, Kevin Barker, who's here in the audience here, who was Kevin. an apprentice with this old house last year and now works for us full time. So Kevin is one of those conduits. Kevin's that guy that can take uh, Douglas Barlow, who started uh, right out of high school, and, and he's mentored Kevin for the last year and a half and has brought him up where I couldn't do that. I'm not going to relate to him. I'm going to be the father figure to him. So there's not, yeah, right. There's not a lot of them. Right. And, and it, you, need to, you need to grab those middle, middle management guys. They're not really management, but they're middle, those middle-aged trade guys. They, that whole group got lost. But to your point, even though it's daunting, we still, it's still all local. It's still all local. That if somebody that's watching here or here says, and they go and adopt a kid or get somebody and win them over or take somebody that's on a tough career path and, and bring them in, it makes a difference. They're, they are indeed little drops of, of sand in the, in the hourglass. We, cause, but there's net, with that segmented nature of the industry, there's not going to be one magic, and there's nobody that I've ever seen in Washington, D.C. that's going to make any difference in anything, it seems, these days. Um, but it has to come from all fronts. You know, like the front that this group is tackling is the mentor role. And then, um, you know, maybe if you're a, a contractor, your, your job is to, like, you know, get some kids involved or, or, or find your, your middle guy that's going to mentor somebody else. Um, but I think that's the base of this group. And hopefully a lot of other manufacturers have their staff going to D.C. or... or, or some other way of, of changing this thing as a whole, but it's a battle from all fronts, and we've all seen it in business. It's, it's impossible to find good help, but when we do find it, you know, we really got to push it. Yes. Microphone? <laughs> Hang on. Right oh, there you are. There's one. Never mind. <laughs> um, I actually can speak on that behalf. My husband is a high school teacher. He's been a high school teacher for 28 years. And he loves teaching. However, the administration has put such strict guidelines on his curriculum that it, it negates so much of what he wants to do. He's a math teacher. He tells his students, hey, bring in your W-2s. We're going to learn how to do your taxes oh, cool. together. Right. And if an administrator were walking into his classroom and saw that at that time, they were like, that's not part of the curriculum. You need to stick to the curriculum. Yeah. And that is a problem across the board for any industry. Yeah. I've worked in this field for 18 years, and um, the contractors I've worked closely with over the past several years, to a 56-year-old and a 34-year-old, every single person that they have work with them is between the ages of 16 and 20. Yeah. They pull guys in from their church and say, look, come on in, I'm gonna teach you how to do this. And those guys are now plumbers, Great. electricians, carpenters, and like you said, it's yeah. little tidbits, yeah. but the yeah. big picture with the curriculum is yeah. just near impossible. We did a story this year, we went down to Baltimore and went to a, uh, a group that was uh, second time offender getting out of just getting out of prison at halfway houses and and it was a fabulous program that we tried to celebrate too that there's all sorts of possibilities and we you know there's never going to be the home run but there's little things that we can all do and all all we're trying to invite here is to start thinking about it take it from here and move it move it backwards you know pay it pay it the other way so we get you got something go 
I'm chasing you. I'm making sure. Oh, they, wherever the mic, wherever I, I the mic it. is, I point to the other way. This is I a bad it. moderator. <laughs> My name is John Stearns. Uh, so I'm a teacher. Um, that's actually what I do. I'm a teacher at a, at the mill in Colorado Springs, and we're a, a, a trade center. So we have cabinet construction, um, residential home construction, plumbing, electrical. We we do it all at our at our place. And I think the issue is. Industry and education don't speak the same language. And for too long, education has tried to make industry fit their language when we have to make, we, we to, as, as educators, we have to speak industry's language. Um, and that's, that's what we try to do in our, in our place. Um, we would love to have any and all of you out to talk to our students. Um, I'll give you my card later on. So, uh, but education and industry don't speak that same language. They don't, they don't do things the same way. Um, and I think that's yeah. one of the big problems. Indeed. I'm not going to point anywhere until she goes with the <laughs> mic. Everywhere, every time I do that, I get in trouble. No, that's fine. So I've started to hear, I have a terrible cold. I don't normally sound like this. But right. I've been starting to hear that part of the solution could be kids that are homeschooled because they don't deal with that guidance counselor that yep. tells them they're a loser, yep. right, if yep. they don't go to college. Are you hearing that too? I don't know. I don't know what kind of the numbers are there in homeschooled kids. Is there a lot? Is there a big number? Is it growing? Is is it? I mean, for the, the for world? the people that work in education, like what's the loophole? I mean, if you are restricted by a certain curriculum, or can't you just have, um, let's say, just have? But somebody like me is more than happy to come to a school and and speak. I've done it before with the Vokes in New England. So is that a loophole for? for your type of schools to, to be that branch from teacher to, to kid. He rewrote the curriculum is what he said. No, Mike, I can cover you. That's it. That's it. I, I'm oh, from, you. That's me. Yeah. I'm the guy. I'm from Washington, D.C., but I'm not a politician. Yay. All right. Thank you. Give him a round of applause. Uh, I'm not the only one. But uh, so um, since get out of the military, and having been a builder on the south shore of Boston, thanks to Norm's influence, thank you yeah, for that. Yeah. I now work with the Department of Veterans Affairs, and I do specially adapted housing for veterans who are severely disabled. Specifically, what kind of veterans outreach programs are we doing? Because you got a lot of strong backs Damn right. who want to swing Damn a right. hammer and learn a trade. Yeah. So I'd love to talk about what kind of things we have there that's specifically pointed towards veterans. We, we might want to talk to you before you leave here, by the way. Yeah, thank you. You want to talk to a veteran? So what was his, your question? Well, uh, like what opportunities well, what do we have What have we done? Yeah. How much do focus veterans? How much of a focus of your training is on veterans? So guys, I know you're a veteran. Yeah. Thanks for your service, brother. And uh, how much of that is your focus I don't know that we've done outreach to VA or, or VA services, but you know we've we've done our home for our home for the troops, yeah. and we've done some of these programs with with the military. I mean, as far uh, as veterans getting out, I I briefly talked about the transitioning classes. You can go up and approach them if you're a local builder and you want to draw them in. I know that there's a lot of groups coming up around, like T Rubicon, where they go out and they build. A lot of veterans getting together. That'd be a great place to go and make some new contacts. Is there? Between the both of you, is there a the the TAG group in every market? Is there a is there a way to do? Is there a path to find the person that knows in every market? And educators, how would we get to that information to find out where that person is? Is it on a website or is it a? Yeah, the Department of Veterans Affairs has many resources that you guys that the industry can tap into veterans, and I think we want to make great. sure the public knows about it as well as the other grant programs available for veterans to help with this kind of education yeah. to get these guys and start stimulating the, uh, the trades again. Yeah, and they already know how to operate without a phone in their hand. So, good. Any other questions before we wrap up? You got something there? Anyhow, I, you might say I'm as old as dirt because I got 49 years in this trade. Yeah. And I've done everything from one end to the other. I've mentored so many apprentices I can't count, but I've got a lot of them out there. But what you got to do is you got to nurture them. You got to educate them in the fact that 
they can make as much money going into the trade as a person coming out of college could think about making and not have the debt. Yeah. And that's a fact. I went through two apprenticeship programs, both through the union and cabinet making and millwork and also as carpentry. I have three different general, three different licenses in contracting. And my son, who's been in the Corps for 20 years, well, it will be 20 years, Marine Corps, is now going out into the trade as soon as he gets out and getting certified. And he tells me, Dad, there's nothing more rewarding than right. working with my hands. Right. And all I can tell you is I, all my members of my family went to college. I didn't. I made more money in my brother with his master's degree my first year as an apprentice. Can we interview you on camera before you go? Sure. <laughs> That's the story. That's the story. Quietly in every market, you know, you, there's you contractors that are very happy with their lives. You yeah. know, some of these guys have five and six and seven houses now. <laughs> <laughs> Only kidding. Only kidding. All right. Any, any, any other final comments or questions? And then, and then I'll let you go. Uh, hashtag the guy over there. That's all you need to know to keep up with the young kids. Yeah. Um, hashtag. Yeah. Is, um, I have 17, I've got three kids. Two, my eldest two daughters are in college. My son, who's 17, almost 18, um, is my left-handed, right-brain, creative, ADD kind of kid. Who, yeah. Who schooled. Some things in school work well. Some don't. So he's from an, a family where everybody went to college. And... He's debating about doing it, and I live in the suburbs of Chicago and kind of in a relatively wealthy community, so all of his friends, speaking up to what you were talking about, they go to university. And there's very little, I have two comments, and I'll make them short, I think. One of them is, the great thing about this community is that they're having, um, like, welders come in and talk about the great. careers for people that are great. Because he wants to go either into the military or a trade or to a community college but he doesn't want to feel like he's less than yep. those that are going to university. That's the one comment. My second uh, question to the panel is, with him thinking about, and I don't know the answer, and there may not be an answer, but him wanting to go into the military or to community college or into a trade, is there a benefit to going into community college so you have a little bit of the college background speaking about? I think, I mean, he's my creative, like, you know it. You know it would be the perfect place for him. Well, I know, and I know what he what he wants, and it's right. what it, it's what right. he needs to where his heart is. Right. So there's, and I don't there's, think there's one point we haven't put up tonight today, and it relates to people in your position. Many times feel that you have you can't they couldn't stand not having their kid go to college, and they put pressure on the kids beyond any logic. I you just know? have to say, that's yeah. not me. That's I know. his dad. But, I know. I know. But yes. But it's, it's not I'm unusual. Sorry, men, but no. Yeah, it's not unusual. And so it's these. So, so it's Richard, kind of like I, allowing their heart to go yeah, where their I heart got a goes. I on that. Yeah. So go. I, I, I totally get that, that group that, you know, kids that come out of high school, they're yeah. really not sure what to do. And one of the things that, and we've, we've done this successfully, is, is we've said, give us a year. Like, come work for a year. If you're indecisive about whether to go to college or not, you're not going to be, you're not going to have a great experience. You're going to go in and you're going to flounder. You're going to, you know, go through some classes that you may not be interested in. So at least give us a year. The only, the worst thing is that you mature a little bit, you make a little bit of money, and it gives you a decision. You either, you've either liked it or you didn't like it. So sometimes in order to know what you do like, you have to discover what you don't like first. So Very good. If he, if he went into the Navy CBs, he could have all of that in one package. He could, he could have a trade. He, they'll pay for his college, and he could travel the world and, and do it all. Yeah. Great. So, thank you. So, any final questions or comments? I'm sorry. We're good for time. Oh, good for time? Wonderful. Still, thank you. Okay. Then, then that's great. This is yeah. fun. You gave the microphone to a teacher, so sorry about the whole time thing. We like to talk. All right, time's um, up. Time's I'm up. A, I'm a high school shop teacher, a dying Yay! in Minnesota. Thank That's you. a unicorn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, those of you who own businesses and have been in the trades, try to get out to your high schools. Show them what your company is, the excitement of your job. But also, do a simple math problem for them as far as what college costs versus the first four years out of high school, yes, you maybe are making an entry-level wage. However, you are making money, not accruing debt. 
compare that to a 10-year plan of a college graduate, and you will find that that entry-level paying job, you come out pretty even, if not better, than attending a four-year college. And so you can excite students that that entry-level wage is not that laughable. What is laughable is $80,000 in college debt, still not knowing what you want to do if you grow up, and then, and then what do you have That's other right. than debt? Yeah. Um, also, bring with eye candy. Bring with tools. I know, I don't mean girls. <laughs> bring a lot of the new equipment that you use. I knew it was tools. Yeah, uh, thank you. That's, yeah. Um, and another thing, too, is show some statistics as far as college graduates working in the field that they attended college for. And I think you'll find it around 5% as far as students who do attend a, a university upon graduation. They're only about 5% of graduates are working in the field of the college area that they chose. And so you can kind of persuade students that, you know what, college maybe is not the best idea if you look at these real numbers that are in front of you. That's great. Helpful. Thank you. That was terrific. One, one, I'm not pointing to you because the mic. Sorry, I'll, I'll make this short. I, I'm also uh, a shop teacher. I teach furniture and cabinet making here Great. in Las Vegas. And uh, I, I like your idea when you said bring, uh, uh, bring classes to younger kids. And I'm wondering if, uh, if your show or your production team has ever considered maybe making a production specifically for the younger generation. You know, rather than have a bunch of old people. <clears throat> You know, showing how to do stuff. Maybe have have some that locks us out. Yeah, well, and me too. Me too, for sure. But to, to get some younger kids, and and maybe even inspire a younger generation. Great. Thank you. Good idea. There is uh, this old house, schoolhouse, uh, on WB, which is tailored more towards where they've recut some of the shows. Yeah. Tailored towards kids. Did you have anyone in mind here? Uh, you, it's your, you're driving now, but you have the mic. Hi, I am a, a college professor at a community college in Maryland, Great. and I teach construction management. Yay! But I advocate for the trades, and I've advocated for Great. my entire career for the trades. One of the things that we're trying to do is apply an academic uh, thing to trades, like more to make it like a degree. Um, so you come out with a degree in plumbing, come out with a degree in electrical, come out with a degree in, in carpentry and so forth. I think what's important to understand, especially when you're going to the parents, is that they want their child to have that, that sheepskin on their walls. Yeah. And so you really need to look at your community college system locally because um, they're, they're training gives. not just for transfer to four-year, but they're also training for workforce. Um, and they also need to understand that they have to read, write, speak, communicate uh, effectively and professionally. Yeah. And so I work with a lot of people who were hurt on the job, they've come down, uh, come back into school to learn construction management, can't capitalize to save their lives, yeah. <laughs> don't know what capital I is. What happened to things. spelling? Right, exactly. And so I spent a lot of time being an English teacher versus a construction management teacher. Yeah. Um, but when you look at the community college and the value of what community colleges can do, and they are training on a multiple levels, you know, not just yeah. transferring, but also training for workforce. Our community college, Anne Arundel Community College in near Annapolis, Maryland, um, we are in the process right now, I'm really proud to share this, that we're in a capital campaign to construct a center for skilled trades and innovation on our campus. Great. And so the idea behind that would be to um, have programs in, on campus that would tr you know, basically train for plumbing, HVAC, carpentry, electrical, and forklift operator. We, yeah. We're going to talk about that yeah. one. Um, you still need but them. This is exactly, you know, reach down into your community colleges and start to look at those value, look at those resources, because um, they're there to train the workforce in multiple ways. Great. Well, that's a great story. Glad to hear it. Okay, I'd like to know, I tried to hire a woman production manager, offered $100,000 a year, yeah. put it out there. I wanted to interview every woman, got two that applied, yeah. okay? So how can we get, I, I've thought, I thought, to me, women, you, this pitch right here, I'd hire that girl in a minute. She's right here, there. Mary girl, where so is she? Is she here? 
She's here. Where is she, San Mary? Francisco Bay Area. Come on, man. Give me a job. Yeah. So speak to how we, can we attract... We're going to arrange it right now. How can we attract more women to this profession? I, I, I touched on it a little bit earlier. Um, it's a multi-level answer. Uh, it's difficult because there isn't the base there to begin with. So it's, an, it's a very intimidating career choice from the get-go. And then you have to walk on a job site with all men and you're starting from the bottom and you're often under a microscope because you are, you're, you stand out. So I, I really do believe that women-specific trade schools are something that need to be put in place. I think um, there, there could be some argument against this, but there could be extra incentives in terms of, and yes, that's a great job, but you need the base and you need uh, the, the skill sets to apply for that job. So the training behind it, maybe there's extra incentives for women to get into the trades with things like bursaries or um, extra apprenticeship financing. Some may argue that's not fair, everyone should be treated equal, but if we're trying to encourage, encourage more women to get into the trades, maybe there's ways that we can um, uh, apply scholarships or allow them more access to training programs. Um, and again, it starts from when you're really little, and this goes back to something that's a huge, uh, way bigger issue, that we, when kids are small, we teach boys to be brave and go and rough and tumble on the playground, and we teach girls to be pretty. So it starts way, way, way before we even think, we start thinking about it. And I was never pushed into the trades in school. So I can only imagine that if you're at all academic and a woman, that it's, there's a lot of roadblocks put in place. So I think in, in long answer long, um, I think the trades programs specifically geared towards women that are a safe place to get to gain your skill sets and then go out into the industry and apply for that job, are, that's a good place to start. Great. I was trained to be pretty early. <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> so, any other question? I'll, I can, I can yeah. second that. What do you got? I, I got the mic. There you go. <laughs> I, need, I need somebody to help me. I, I, can, I can second that, too. There, obviously, there's a lot of women in, the veter in uh, veterans as well and service members who are interested in helping. I was recently in Estonia, and the University of Tallinn has a facility where school children go and practice the trades as early as third grade. And they have a visual representation of how air flows through HVAC system, HVAC yeah. systems, how plumbing works. They also have small uh, routers and scroll saws that boys and girls get hands-on experience at a young age. So when it comes time to look for a trade, it's not scary. Right. It, it, they're, so they're doing it, and there's some great models around there in, in Europe. Yeah. And to jump on that, um, I think that this organization actually is in the U.S. as well, but um, it's an independent organization um, in Canada called Skills Canada. And um, this organization has something called Try a Trade. And it's kind of the same thing where schools jump on board. It's a, it's a day and it's electrical plumbing. It's, it's setups where you can go in and you can weld and you can put together you can wire an outlet and um, these are grade school students as well so finding organizations like that that encourage younger kids to get into the trade and promoting those programs are, is important as well so I want to thank everybody for the conversation this is this is when it's the best and when you sort of share ideas and you know I like your community college and uh, retraining you know we know what the challenge is pay disparity perception hard work you know all the stuff we know we know the why, why you'd want to get into it. It's recession-proof. There's pride of creativity. Some of the things that we talked about flowingly with freedom and variety and all the stuff that, you know, there's many kids in. And then the final thing is what to do. And so it's get involved, career days, women, military, ex-military, um, you know, ID, ID the mechanical. We can only pray that Voctech schools come back. I don't know that they will. I don't know that I'll live long enough to see a... Uh, all female vote. I mean, if we can't get the regular ones, it's so, but it just, all we want to remind people is that this is all local. It's not going to be some over the hill cavalry coming to fix it. It's going to be like, like your case with your son, your 17 year old, you know, 
it, if you give them a shot to do something they can be successful at, you've given them a career for life and you've given probably the next generation a career for life. So any other final comments from our panel? No? Thank you so much. Thank you. You, you stay around right there. Thank you. Thank you so much, everybody.